Welcome to Paul Martin's Catholic Podcast. I'm Paul Martin. I used to be a Presbyterian, then Pentecostal preacher. After studying the Bible and church history afresh, I converted to Catholicism in December 2017. I'm talking today about the Deuterocanonicals, seven books missing from Protestant Bibles. Those books are Tobit, Judith, Baruch, 1 and 2 Maccabees, Wisdom and Sirach, as well as extra chapters missing from the book of Esther and Daniel. Are these books scripture? In this podcast, I'm going to look at the books as a whole. And then the objections that people have to them. The first objection is... The Jews never regarded them as scripture. And the answer to that is it's simply wrong because they were regarded as scripture. A couple of centuries before Christ, the Deuterocanonicals were part of the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament. They're also found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And these were the Bibles that were used by Jews before Christ's time. The second objection is that they are not quoted in the New Testament. And the answer is they actually are quoted in the New Testament. We see this with many allusions as well, where they're alluded to. And in my podcasts dealing with each of those books, we find it. We find that the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, comes from the book of Tobit. We also see the messianic prophecies about Christ that are given in the book of Wisdom. But let's just go along with it, and let's assume that they're not quoted at all in the New Testament. Well, the New Testament never quotes the book of Esther, or Song of Solomon, or Ecclesiastes, or Ruth, or Nehemiah. Should we get rid of those books as well? Jews didn't reject these books, the Deuterocanonicals, until till they rejected the New Testament. And they rejected the New Testament at the Council of Jamnia in the late 1st century AD. So if you're going to reject them because Jews rejected these books, then to be consistent, you would need to reject the New Testament as well. And just for the record, there are actually many Jews today, Orthodox Jews, who have read the book of Tobit and they've regarded it as scripture. Now, objection three. They were never part of scripture until the Council of Trent in 1546. And that's rubbish because they were... They're in the Septuagint, the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they were also part of the first Christian Bible. The early Christians 
had over 300 books that they regarded as sacred and important that they read in churches. But the church decided to come together in 382 AD and create a book called the Bible, which was a, a set of Christian scriptures, books that they said were directly inspired by the Holy Spirit and should be used for forming doctrines. And this first happened in 382 AD at the Council of Rome. And it was the 73 books of the Catholic Bible that were canonised there. There was another council a few years later, 393 AD, the Council of Hippo, and then 397 AD at the Council of Carthage, and they put together the same 73 books and declared them scripture. And then in 405 AD, Pope Innocent I, in his document, Consulenti Tibi, declared them scripture. So the church authorities ruled, this is scripture. And it's the Catholic Bible we have. It's not the Ethiopian Orthodox Bible with over 80 books, and it was not the Protestant Bible of 66 books. It was the Catholic Bible of 73 books. We also have the testimony of the Church Fathers and early Christian books. We have the Didache 4, which quotes from Sirach, and that's in 50 AD, before the New Testament was completed. Then we have the Latin Vulgate, included those books in the late 4th century AD. And that Latin Vulgate, which had those books, was sort of like the authorised version for the ancient and medieval world. Latin was the main language when it was done, and so it became very well read. And then in the late 1300s, along came an early Protestant reformer called John Wycliffe, and he completed the New Testament in 1382 and he died two years later. He died from a stroke while he was performing his duties as a priest. And then one of his disciples, John Purvey, completed the Old Testament in 1395 and that became known as the Wycliffe Bible and the Wycliffe Bible contained the Deuterocanonicals. They were regarded as scripture. And then in the 1400s the printing press was finally invented by Catholics. And the very first book that the Catholics printed was the Bible. And it was done in 1454 or 1455 AD. And the Gutenberg Bible contained the Deuterocanonicals. So those who are trying to say that they didn't become scripture until the Council of Trent 
which was almost a hundred years later. Here we are a hundred years before, before Martin Luther. They were regarded as scripture. And we can go back a thousand years more to the very first Bible. And those seven books were there. Then we have Luther's Bible in 1534. And that included all 73 books of the Catholic Bible. Now some people will say, ah, but Luther didn't believe in those Deuterocanonicals. Well, let me say Luther did not believe in the book of Revelation or James or Hebrew or Jude or Esther or Jonah. He wanted to cut those books out of scripture. He was a maniac. So if you want to be consistent with Martin Luther and get rid of the Deuterocanonicals, you should also get rid of the book of Revelation and Hebrews as well. Anything basically that he didn't believe, if you want to be consistent. He wanted to cut about 15 books out of the Bible. And he got vetoed by everyone around him. They like, no, no, we can't do that. So he argued back and forth. And in the end, he just settled for a Bible with all of those books included. Then in 1560, the Calvinists produced a Bible called the Geneva Bible. And that included the Deuterocanonicals. <clears throat> in 1568, the Anglicans produced the Bishop's Bible. And that included the Deuterocanonicals. Then finally, in 1611, the King James Bible was done. And that also included the Deuterocanonicals. However, they were labelled the Apocrypha to cast doubt on their authenticity. Now, both Luther and Calvin rejected these books, but the only reason they gave was because Jerome rejected them. Now, the King James Bible called them the Apocrypha, but they still stayed in the King James Bible until 1826. And more than 200 years after the KJV had been released, the National Bible Society of Scotland, they were very stingy. They petitioned the British and Foreign Bible Society to remove the Deuterocanonicals from the Bible. And the only reason they really gave was because they said it will save paper and save printing costs. So with their stinginess, they got removed from the King James Bible. And among Protestants, those books then became forgotten. And when they became forgotten, Protestants became even more hostile and distrustful to these books whenever a Catholic would show it to them. And as I said, Luther and Calvin quoted Jerome. The Anglican Church's 39 Articles, which was finalised in 1571, the Anglican 39 Articles said that the 
Deuterocanonicals were to be read in churches and read for edification and to be included in the Bible, but that no doctrine was to be based upon them. So that's kind of a middle-of-the-road position. And then about over 70 years later, the Presbyterians produced the Westminster Confession. And the Westminster Confession said that they were of no value than any other human books. So we now get to the fourth objection, and that is Jerome rejected these books as apocrypha. Jerome was the man who translated and did the Latin Vulgate. The answer is this is the logical fallacy of an appeal to authority. Jerome was one individual. He was the only church father who held to the Protestant Bible canon. However, Jerome was inconsistent with 50 other church fathers who did regard these books as scripture, or at least some of them. And the other church fathers either accepted the books or rejected some. Deuterocanonical books, and they also rejected some of the books in the rest of Scripture. For example, Oregon omitted the 12 minor prophets, but he included Esther, Wisdom, Sirach, 2 Maccabees and Judith in his canon of Scripture. Melito of Sardis rejected the book of Esther as satanic. And then Gregory of Nazianzus omitted the book of Esther, Baruch, and also the book of Revelation. So if you're going to appeal to Jerome, like Calvin and Luther, it's no more valid than appealing to Melito of Sardis or Gregory of Nazianzus. So I'm saying, why Jerome? Is it because he just conveniently happens to follow the Protestant canon. Here's the thing, though. Jerome was inconsistent with the church as a whole, with all the other church fathers, and he was inconsistent with himself. Jerome, in his letter, 77, verse 4, he quoted Baruch chapter 5 verse 5 as being among the trumpets of the prophets in 399 AD. And in his letter, 118 verse 1, he quoted Sirach chapter 3 verse 7 and Sirach chapter 4 verse 28 and called them scripture. In letter, 118 verse 2, he quoted Sirach chapter 22 verse 6 as divine scripture. And then in Latin 98, verse 13, he calls wisdom, chapter 1, verse 7, scripture. And in letter 100, verse 9, Jerome says that the victories of the Maccabees are praised throughout the whole world in the Christian churches. And Oregon, in his History of Susanna, 13, said that all the churches of Christ read Tobit. So Jerome was one individual against the entire church.
and even he himself wavered back and forth on these books. So an appeal to Jerome is a very weak argument indeed. And so we get to the last... Uh, the second last objection, objection five, is they contain fantastic stories. The answer is the Deuterocanonicals are no more and no less fantastic than anywhere else in Scripture. The book of, of Tobit has burning smoke that scares off a demon and he uses fish guts rubbed in his, on Tobit's eyes to heal him of blindness. That sounds a bit strange, I'm sure, but it's no more strange than John chapter 10 where Jesus used spit and dirt and rubbed it on the man's eyes to heal him of blindness. And the demon chased away with smoke is no more strange than the story in Mark chapter 5 where Jesus casts demons into pigs. So people who reject the books, those deuterocanonicals, on the basis that they seem strange are hypocrites because they won't apply that same standard to the Protestant canon of Scripture. So if you reject Tobit, you might as well reject Jonah or Job. If you reject Judith, you might as well reject Esther. If you reject Baruch, you might as well reject Jeremiah. If you reject 1 and 2 Maccabees, you might as well reject 1 and 2 Chronicles. If you reject Wisdom and Sirach, you might as well reject Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. And the last objection, objection six, is they contain false doctrines. And the answer to that is, well, that's not how Christianity works. In Christianity, we read the Bible and we form our doctrines from what the Bible says. We don't go, okay, here's the doctrines we believe. And if I find a Bible book that goes against that, I'm going to reject that Bible book. That's not how we do it. The scripture teaches us that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 And it was the church that canonised the Catholic Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, Paul the Apostle says, Hold fast to the traditions you were given. And these traditions are found in the church fathers and the early church councils, where they regarded these books as scripture. Now, 2 Maccabees, chapters 12 and 15, teach the intercession of saints who are alive in heaven and purgatory, I realise that a Protestant does not believe these doctrines. But I would say to my Protestant brothers and sisters, we Catholics believe these doctrines because they are in our Bible. You Protestants, on the other hand, decided not to believe these doctrines and then you decided to omit two Maccabees from Scripture. 
we begin with our doctrines and reject it. That's the logical fallacy of waving the dog with the tail. We get our doctrines from the Bible. We don't begin with our doctrines, then reject books of the Bible that contradict our preconceived notions. So this, my friends, is a summary of why we follow it. The Jews regarded these books as scripture. The early Christians regarded them as scripture. The medieval Christians regarded them as scripture. The very first Bible, the Gutenberg Bible that was printed, contained them. And that was almost a hundred years before the Council of Trent. And there the Deuterocanonical books were already there in scripture. It was only inconsistent, double-minded men like Jerome, Luther and Calvin who casted doubt on these books. And the Protestants, in their deepest conscience, included these books originally and then slowly, gradually omitted them from their Bibles, then slowly, gradually forgot them and now reject them accordingly. Jerome's rejection of these books has no authority whatsoever because he was inconsistent with all the other church fathers. He was inconsistent with the church authority and he was inconsistent with even himself where he seemed at times to regard Sirach and Wisdom and Baruch as scripture. And the Deuterocanonicals are no more bizarre or strange or fantastic than anywhere else in the Bible. If you start rejecting these books, where do you stop? What will you reject next? And they don't contain false doctrines. They only seem like false doctrines if you have preconceived biases against these books. Thank you for listening and God bless.